everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of You Know You Love Us. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. No, it's actually just Hannah alone today. I'm so, so sorry to report. Uh, Here's the deal. We're all squirrel friends here. Let's just be transparent. Tyler is, wow, I could hype her up all day long. Two fire signs who are very dear friends. That's how it goes. Tyler is an extremely talented, very booked and busy actor. And she books theater all the time and because she's just a boss like that. And the thing about theater is unlike film, it's not like one day of shooting. It's like weeks of rehearsal, all the shows, matinees, evening shows. And Tyler does it with elegance and grace because she is a fucking star. And that being said, she was too busy to record this week. And we were kind of like going back and forth because we were like, oh, God, what the fuck do we do? You know, when I was so excited to do this, I basically just told Tyler we were doing it. We didn't really consider that the holidays were coming up and things were about to get crazy. So we're kind of figuring it out as we go. And thank you all for bearing with me. But I was like, Tyler, we can't do this to them again. Back in July, we said we're back and then we just were never to be seen or heard from again until now. And so I was like, if we get off track now, like what if we just stay off track? And I I just couldn't bear to do that to you guys. So I am solo this week, which feels very weird. And I miss Tyler dearly. Uh, but we're going to do the best we can. So thank you all again for bearing with us and get excited for next week because Tyler and I will be back together I miss her tons. Tyler, if you're listening, I miss you, girly pop. I hope, you're, I hope your matinee is going amazingly. I know it is because you're a star. Okay, wow. It's been a minute since I solo hosted. Like, I haven't done this since the Not Aspirational with Hannah Brown days, RIP. So before we get into the actual episode itself, I just had some musings that I wanted to share with you. So the first thing, the first tale I want to tell is a tale uh, about how I was humbled in hip-hop class. So... I've wanted to take hip hop class forever, but since a truly scarring experience in my teenage life when I tried out for our high school hip hop team known as the Jammers and I brutally flubbed my audition, I was too afraid to revisit it in adulthood. And I had a friend last weekend who was like, let's just go to class together. It's a beginner's class. It's no big deal. Da, da, da. So she was nice enough to encourage me to go. I was so excited to go. I did an OOTD on TikTok. I was like, I'm wearing these sweatpants and these vans and a t-shirt and hoops. I felt like I was understated without looking like I didn't know what was going on as far as my outfit went. And we're learning this J-Lo choreography. And I'm by the end of this class, okay, I am sweaty. I am feeling good. I didn't nail it every time, but I was proud of myself. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult pursuing this new hobby. This is living, baby. Only to get home and discover that I had a giant period stain on my ass. Like lodged between my crotch and my ass, but enough up on my ass that it was clear what was going on. And I didn't realize until after the fact. And I haven't had this happen to me since mm, Camp Comedy circa 2003, which I also stated in my TikTok, but it is a very salient and again, triggering and traumatic memory for me. So I was like, oh my God. And I stood at the front. 
I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I said, it's my first class and I'm going to push myself to stand at the front. Me and my giant ass period stain standing at the front. Ugh. And then it triggered all this shame about like why I don't own more sweatpants and like how I have a really fun life, but I don't spend my money on clothes and I feel like I look like shit all the time. It was just, I totally spiraled. So do I show my face at hip hop again? I don't know. I don't know if I ever will. I'm not sure. I probably will. But like, God, this shit always happens to me. I could get dressed for 12 hours. I could have the best hair and makeup and wardrobe team in the world. And like the second I, you know have a sip of wine I'll spill on myself like this is just me and this is just my life and it's really fucking annoying because everyone else seems so fucking dignified all the time speaking of dignified I had a thought over the weekend and it is that malls are undignified places I don't know what it is about malls but people become completely feral it's like they don't it's like airports honestly it's big airport energy especially during the holidays it's like people all of a sudden just don't know that anyone else exists and they cut in front of you. I was at Abercrombie and Fitch looking at those high-waisted leather pants that are all over TikTok. And I was rifling through this large pile of them looking for my size, a very specific size. And I require a short pant because I have short legs. And this woman just reaches her arms across me as if I'm not looking through this monstrosity of a pile of pants as if I wasn't even there. It was unbelievable. Um, another humbling experience, circling it back to being humbled, but also drawing it back to the mall, was a few weeks ago, I was at the mall with Jake, pre-Thanksgiving. And we're at Aritzia. And I'm looking at, you know, the overpriced basics that I that I fall victim to every time. And actually, that's a lie. Again, I have money stress about buying new clothes. That's a whole other episode. But I always, I love browsing at an Aritzia. And if I'm feeling crazy, I'll get like a pair of socks and maybe a bodysuit or something. But I digress. Someone comes up to me. And she goes, I know you from Instagram. I follow you on Instagram. A lovely, lovely woman named Sarah. Sarah, if you're listening, shout out. I'm obsessed with you. I have never had this happen in my life. I have some friends who are like well-known enough that like I've been standing next to them while they've been recognized. I've offered to take the picture for them and a person who recognized them. But I've never just been like recognized on my own in the wild. It was the coolest feeling. I was like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? I was shook and it was so, so sweet. And Sarah was lovely. And I just, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And what a sweet person. And what a moment. We leave Aritzia. I'm like still smiling. I'm like, Jake, that was so crazy. Oh my God. And then we see this person. And look, I don't know this person's life. If I were to make a guess, I would say they're probably not entirely well. And they screamed at me. We were like going to walk by them, but they lunged in front of me and said, get out of the mall. And it was so shocking. And I hope that this person who screamed at me to get out of the mall is doing totally fine. But I will say the humor in the situation was the stark contrast between my interaction with Sarah and like me being on cloud nine and then my interaction with this person at the mall who screamed at me to get out of the mall. I mean, it was... I had whiplash, but again, this is the kind of shit that happens to me. Period stains, being yelled at in public, hardly an Upper East Sider am I, one might say. 
that was like a weird Yoda sentence structure. I don't know what I was saying, but that was just a little update for you. Also, if you want a Christmas movie, and I'm not trying to flex and be annoying when I say that I'm not even only recommending this because Jake worked on it. I was watching this movie on HBO Max called A Hollywood Christmas. It is a fucking delight. It's so cute. It's like in on the joke of Christmas movies while being incredibly cute and wholesome and soothing. And also, it's HBO Max, so it's high budget and it looks pretty so I highly recommend A Hollywood Christmas on HBO Max. Okay. I tried to segue into the episode and then I got sidetracked by Christmas movies. What else is new? Let's get into the episode. This is going to be so weird to do without Tyler, but I'm going to do my best. All right. We have season two, episode one, Deb Brawl in a Blue Dress. I believe this is based on the name of a song called Devil in a New Dress by Kanye West. RIP my fandom for Kanye West. I believe that's what it's based on. So we're getting a dead ball right off the bat, right out the gate. We love to see it. The episode starts the morning after New Year's Eve. We have an aerial shot of three cars, a super fun tracking shot. Like season one of True Detective is shook with this tracking shot. We have Audrey, Aki, and Sleepy Maxie in the backseat of one car. Audrey and Aki are looking pensive. We have another car with Julian texting Gossip Girl. And there's mention of JC giving Gigi dirt on Camille DeHaan, Monet's mom. And she sends her like a mysterious attachment. We don't know what she sent Gossip Girl. Then we have Monet and Luna in another car. Luna's confirming an appointment. And Luna's like, new year, new me incoming. You okay, Mon? And Monet goes, I'm going to be perfect. She is on another level this episode. And always. Then we have miserable Kate Culler on this like shitty Greyhound bus. And she receives a crazy long list of tips from Julian and posts immediately. Meanwhile, Shan and Zoya are hanging out and Monet posts a to-do list and Luna is in the chair at a salon. So we have like a little montage of what everyone's up to. And then we get Max, Audrey and Aki arriving home at Audrey's and they immediately have the sex. And then... um. Julian arrives at Zoya's maximalist dream of an apartment and moves into her room, but her room, sorry, Julian has her own room, but she moves into it and it's small and a bit less, one might say, impressive than her previous room at her old home. Then we cut to a scene with Luna and Monet and Camille DeHaan, Monet's mom, uh, looking at a stunning array of white uh, dresses as she plans the dead ball. And there's this woman helping Camille organizing the dead ball. And she's talking about all the wild rules for what you can and can't wear to this thing. You can wear stiff duchess satin, organdy, or tulle, but you can wear no ivory, no buff, no pearl, no decolletage, no trains, no excessive lace, no beading. Okay, so there are some crazy rules for this event. Meanwhile, Luna is telling us that Gigi has told everyone that she deals in knockoffs, insulting. And Monet and Luna are hanging out. Monet is looking at bright dresses on her phone. And Luna and Monet are like waiting for a response from Julian on which dress she's going to wear. But at this point, Luna thinks she's going to show up in Patagonia because Julian hasn't even opened IG. And Luna's like, what kind of an influencer isn't online? If she's not online, then what is she doing? Meanwhile, Zoya is looking at her room, a.k.a. Julian's new closet, filled with racks and racks of clothes. And Julian is covertly on IG looking at Obi's Instagram. And then Julian and Zoya race to the shower. And Julian has like a wild monologue about how like she uses shower steam as step one of her 10-part routine. And Z is having none of it. And Nick is like, 
everything okay here? Sharing well with your sister Z. And Z folds and JC gets the shower and Z is miserable and she kicks a stunning pile of JC's white sneakers. Meanwhile, in Orgy Town, USA, Audrey, Max, and Aki are hanging out while Aki tries to jerk off, question mark. I don't know what these kids are doing with the sex things. Aki's mom, Jody shows up and they immediately hide Max in the closet as they get dressed and go to make omelets. And Max looks lame as sitting in that closet. So it's like they're officially dating, but like has anything changed? We don't know. Not really. Doesn't seem like it. Then we find out Z is super excited for her lit class. She's doing a whole semester on Chaucer, woo! which sounds like my actual literal nightmare, but Z is very, very excited. Then JC shows up to breakfast and she's wearing overalls, excuse me, stealing Zoya's look. JC reveals that she's thinking about going to college and pursuing an MBA, even though she doesn't know what MBA stands for. And honestly, since we're just amongst, you know, us squirrel friends... I'm going to reveal to you all that I, too, don't know what MBA stands for. So let's find out together, shall we? Siri, what does MBA stand for? NBA means North America National Basketball Association. My God, she didn't understand me. What does MBA stand for? Here's what I found. Megabyte? Okay, well, the world may never know. I still don't know. Anyways, um, JC is talking about how she wants to go to college, how she's so different now that she's not on social media. And meanwhile, she's secretly sending Gigi a tip under the table, like a deceptive little minx. Kate Basket Keller arrives at the teacher's lounge and she's like, did you see those new heat lamps? And were those compass chairs? Those cost almost $500 a piece. And they were a gift from the DeHaan family. Kate thinks that Camille is still mad at her from their like disagreement over Christmas when Kate was doing personal shopping for Camille. So Jordan and Wendy think that Kate should punish Camille via Gossip Girl and Kate reveals to the other teachers that JC is sending in tips, but some are true and some are lies. And Wendy's like, it's like two truths and a lie. I was a green sash in Nexium. I've been to Epstein's Island. I found Hunter Biden's laptop. Wendy's life is wild. I love how weird and mysterious she is. Meanwhile, Audrey, Max, and Aki are on their way to school, and a Gigi Blast comes out about Max and how he's part of a holy trinity. Audrey and Aki are cagey, but insist they're okay with people knowing that they're a thruple. Then, Monet and Luna are disgusted by Julian's overalls. Um, I think Monet is like, she's wearing overalls like an American Girl doll. And JC is strategizing about how she can get into a good college. And Monet's like, huh, what? You're going to go to college? You'll be irrelevant on social by the time you leave. And JC's like... I'm starting over, which means I'm not going after everything. I'm just going to let whatever comes to me come to me. And Luna's like, and without a platform on which to be contacted, how do you expect that to happen? Osmosis. And JC's like, I'm excited to see. Then she gets a compliment on her overalls. And then Audrey whisks her away and is like, she has another meeting. So then Monet is like, thanks a lot, Luna. I saw this shit storm coming. And she texts a group chat called the help and says, we need a backup plan. So Monet is scheming. Audrey and JC are catching up in the hallway and Audrey tells JC she's trying to keep her three-person relationship low pro and Gigi is continuing to trickle out info. Audrey's like, this account is more dated than Diet Prada. I don't even know why I still have post notifications on. And JC's like, I don't mind Gigi. I learned a lesson from her putting our shit out there. Secrets just end up blowing up in our faces. She's like so after school special about Gigi. Audrey is like, easy for you to say my secrets require three-factor authentication. 
She doesn't know if she wants her relationship to be public knowledge. And JC is like, uh, how good is your relationship if you have to lie about it? And Audrey snaps at her about Obi. And JC immediately retaliates by revealing the thruple of it all to Gigi. <gasps> so then Kate gets the tip. And right away, she sees that all of her shit is being taken out of her room. And she's like, hey, those are my things. Why are you taking them out of my room? And a guy who doesn't not look like if Craig from Degrassi joined the band Rooney is like, you've been relocated. So we find out this is Mike Shubin. He teaches Russian classics and he's back from sabbatical back in his old room, a.k.a. Kate Keller's room. Hi, Nora. Hi, sweetie. So then Kate sees Monet run up to Mike Shubin and she's like, Shubes, my mom is going to be so happy you're back. And he's like, oh, yeah, we already have dinner on the books. And they hug. And it's all just very sus. Like Mike Shubin is clearly in with the Dahans. So Kate reaches out to JC for dirt on Camille Dahan. And just as she's reaching out, JC appears and is like, it's you. You're my college counselor. And Kate's like, how are your extracurriculars? And they're fully exchanging messages in real time. And it's like stressful to watch. And Kate giggles as she realizes what's happening. Then Monet shows up at a cafe with the two girls from the other school whose names escape me. I think it's like Penelope and or no Pippa and something else. I don't know. And we also need to state that Monet's dusty blue beret is everything to me. And Monet is like, I need Gossip Girl to make my assumption public. The guillotine was placed in the town square for a reason. You didn't just kill your en enemy. You struck fear in everyone else as well. Are you still going to the debutante ball with me? And they're like, I will follow you through the gates of hell. So there is an important plan going down at the dead ball. Monet is excited to take Julian down and claim her crown. I love an accidental rhyme. Then we have Shan and Zoya eating lunch on the steps of the Met, and they talk about how Shan isn't an only child, but has only child energy, which is honestly a huge flex. Z is filling in Shan on how she feels like she's competing with Julian for Nick's attention. And she and Nick had plans this weekend, the night of the dead ball, but Shan's like, you're going to have to reschedule. And then they notice that everyone is wearing overalls. Gigi drops the tea that Max, Aki, and Audrey are a thruple. And Max is thrilled, but Aki and Audrey are in a total fucking panic. Then Monet tells JC that she is invited to the Deb ball. And JC's like, um, did someone tell you I'd be interested in that? Because um, I'm not. And Monet sells her on the fact that her mom, Camille, is now on the board. And she gave the outdated, problematic idea of a Deb ball a refresh. Now the Deb ball includes high-achieving women of color and all proceeds go to charity. So JC is like, hmm, I don't really want that kind of attention, but this could look good for my college applications. And Monet is like, you know that I support this whole eat, pray, don't post journey that you're on. But not being visible has consequences, right? Plus, hot guys. Ah! If you're into that. So JC's like, okay, I'm kind of into this. I can, like, you know, impress Miss Keller with my extracurriculars. So Monet messages Gigi to give her the tip about a shit storm brewing for the dead ball. So many secret schemes and plans going on. Then Jordan and Wendy are looking at a table full of expensive treats left for Mike Shubin to welcome his arrival back at Constance. And Kate lets them know about the dead ball scoop and she needs to be on the inside. And they're like, um, this is definitely about your beef with Camille DeHaan, right? And Kate's like, mm, and she goes to talk to Mike Shubin about like how she wants to be his plus one to the debt ball. And he's like, um, no, as a rule, I don't date coworkers. And Kate's like, so much for the front door. And Wendy's like, I've always been a backdoor girl myself. Love Wendy. 
Then Z tells JC that any college that's impressed by a dead ball isn't the kind of school she should go to. And JC's like, your dad thinks it's a great idea. And she reveals to Zoya that they all have to be introduced by their dads at the dead ball. And because JC wants nothing to do with Davis, she asked Nick if he would be willing to introduce her. And Z is so pissed because this does mean that Shan was right, that she and Nick are going to have to reschedule their plans. And JC's like, you could come to rehearsal with me. And Z's like, um, fuck no, I'm not interested. Then Max finds Audrey and Aki in the library very sneakily. And they insist that they're like totally okay with people knowing. And Max is like, great, cool, so let's go get dinner and go fuck at a hotel and have our first public date. It'll be amazing. And Aki and Audrey are like, um, okay. But they privately tell each other that they're like so not ready for this. Then Monet is filling JC in on dead ball things and Wendy tips off Kate that she figured out a backdoor for her to get into the dead ball. Then Monet texts her text thread the help that the plan is in motion. Z then vents to Shan about how pissed she is about how she has to cancel her plans with Nick. And Z is like, oh, like Julian convinced is convinced that the dead ball has moved into the 21st century. And Shan is like, you know what else has moved into the 21st century? White supremacy, religious exemptions, Amy Coney Barrett. And as she's saying this, she I felt personally attacked because she was filling the Aesop hand soaps in the Slytherin bathroom with Mrs. Meyer's hand soap. And I am ashamed to say that I have done this. And it honestly keeps me up at night because it's so not chic. And I keep telling myself that I'll just like one day not like choose not to Postmates my lunch that I can save the $30 to get the Aesop hand soap refill. But then I don't. I just continue to refill it with Mrs. Myers. And it's like a cosmic joke on myself. And it's just in me and Jake's bathroom. So it's like I'm the one who has to look at my lie every day and like looking at the chic bottle, knowing that it should smell like elevated and woodsy and it just smells like Mrs. Myers. It's just it's a bummer. And Shan is on to me. Anyways, then um, Shan tells Zoya, she's like, since when is Monet Han your sister's moral compass? You need to convince Julian otherwise about this whole dead ball thing. So she tells Z to take JC up on her invite to the rehearsal for the dead ball. And she's like, so while she's dressing up, you can dress down the whole event. So they have a plot to sort of like, you know, expose this dead ball for what like a shitty event it actually is. Cut to dead ball rehearsal. They're all waltzing. Z looks bored as fuck in a shivari chair. Side note, I'm planning my wedding right now. I mean, hardly. That's like a very loose term. I've contacted like two wedding planners. That's the extent of it. But I did decide that while this may be controversial, I don't fuck with a shivari chair. Anyways, a crew of old white women congratulate JC. I assume they're the board for the dead ball on how great she's fitting in and how they hope she understands the magnitude of this honor that they like invited her last minute. And JC, Z, Monet, and a couple other devs have a chat. And then JC texts Gossip Girl that Monet ate her twin in the womb. And Gigi's like, but what did Camille do? Because Kate is thirsty for that gossip about Camille DeHaan. Then Kate arrives at Zoya's and she like claims she wants to drop something off for JC because she's her college counselor. So she drops off materials from like Brown, Vassar and Smith. And Nick is like, whoa, you're sure this is for Julian? And Kate's like, yeah, like she's, she wants to go to college and the debt ball is a great idea for her extracurriculars. And Nick's like, yeah, I told her I would, you know, what's the word, escort her, but I'm really not looking forward to this whole thing. And Kate's like, 
oh, you know, maybe I could go with you. And Nick's like, okay, so evil Kate also scheming. I mean, this episode should just be called Schemes on Schemes on Schemes. Then Audrey, Aki, and Max show up at a stuffy but maximalist restaurant at 5 p.m. for their public date. And Max is like, um, what the fuck is this? It's like only old people. It's so early. I personally love an early dinner because that means an early bedtime. But I get why Max, a high schooler, is like not into the vibes. And at first they're about to be seated at a square table. And Audrey's like, um, can I get a round table? So they get tucked further inside the restaurant. And then... Audrey notices Harris, one of their classmates, is watching them. He's watching this whole, like, quote, public date go down. And Audrey goes to say hi. And we find out that Harris's dad owns the building, but he's considering selling it. And then he's like, hey, are you out with Max and Aki? And Audrey, like, forces pleasantries. And Harris is like, "Um, you're done with this conversation? Me too. So then... Audrey goes back to the table and we find out that Max ordered bubbly to celebrate this exciting occasion. I feel so bad for him. He's so excited for their first public date and he goes to hold both their hands. He's sitting in the middle of them. Harris is watching all of this. And then Audrey starts like fake crying about her mom. And then she sits on Aki and like asks Max, Max to take a photo of them. And Max is like, but wait, shouldn't I be in the photo? And then Audrey, like she's acting super chaotic. She excuses herself And then texts Aki to kiss Max. She's like, do it, do it, do it. So then Aki kisses Max. And then Audrey shows up and throws water on Max. And she's like, my boyfriend? Let's go, honey. And like grabs Aki and they leave. And Harris gets all of this on his phone. And Max is like covered in water. Like, what the fuck? Then Monet takes a FaceTime call from the help and they assure her that everything is going according to plan. And Shelby is bummed out because her GF can't escort her at the dead ball because of the homophobic board. And her GF Eliza is pissed. And Shelby excuses herself to grab a call from Eliza. Meanwhile, Zoya is like, Julian, what the fuck? And Julian's like, look, just this once, could you not make this one of your causes? And Zoya's like, I roll. This whole thing is homophobic. Like, this is so fucked up. Meanwhile, with the Max and Aki and Audrey of it all, I find this storyline to be really redundant and boring, but whatever. Max is like, what the fuck, guys? And Audrey and Aki are like, oh, my God, no, we're like totally okay with people knowing. We just want to do this on our own terms. And Max is like, maybe this was all just like a bad idea and we should just like end this now. And they're like, no. And he's like, prove it in public, in front of everyone, tomorrow night at the Deb Ball prove in front of New York society that we are a thruple. And so Audrey and Aki are like, ew, knew no. They're like freaking out. Then Zoya tells Shan that the dead ball is horrible and that Julian doesn't give a shit about how horrible it is and they want to make a plan about how to expose how dated and fucked this organization is. Okay, now that I'm looking at my notes, I kind of thought this was their plan the whole time. I clearly like did not fully process this episode, but yeah, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Zoya's like, fuck this. All bets are off. Let's burn this dead ball to the ground. And Shan's like, um, are you sure this is about like the dead ball of it all and not about JC being your dad's favorite? So then the dead ball is starting and Nick is feeling like weirdly proud. Zoya looks stunning. Kate Basket Keller is in tow. Luna is getting ready to go live when Julian descends the stairs. And Luna and Max talk about the Max, Aki, and Audrey of it all. And Luna's like, look, try to keep a low profile tonight. This isn't your polyamory prom. It's sexist civil war reenactment masquerading as a societal rite of passage. I don't want any drama on Julian's new feed, okay? Then Max finds Audrey and Aki, but they immediately scatter. And then Kate spots the Dahans, Grayson and Camille. And 
Grayson, Mr. DeHaan, says hi to Nick. And it turns out they had a case together last year and Nick lost. And then Kate introduces herself to Mr. DeHaan. And then Zoya says hi and reveals that Nick just got promoted. She almost spills the beans that they nearly got evicted. But then Nick's like, we don't need to talk about that, Zoya. Then Kate excuses herself and collides with Russian classics professor and band member of Rooney, Mike Shubin. And then Nick introduces himself to Mike Shubin and Mike's like, oh, so he got you in instead? And Nick's like, what? He's VV confused. Then Monet, this is so hard to explain, guys. There's so much going on. Monet eavesdrops on Julian chatting with Shelby. And then Pippa and the other one, aka the help, show up and they are ready to execute Monet's plan. Then the staff from the dead ball, including a woman named Anne-Marie, catch that something is off and they like Anne-Marie tries to like intervene, but Monet basically tells her to fuck off. And then Zoya collides with Monet's cavalier, a.k.a. the guy escorting her. And he's very, very hot. And he flirts with her and tells her that she's the star of Gossip Girl. And then he excuses himself. He's like, you know, I was going to escort Monet, but not happening anymore. I'm going to head out. And then Shan shows up. Meanwhile, Camille Dehan is pissed at Anne-Marie, who's on the staff for the dead ball, who's having a full-on panic attack. And Camille's like, get my list, like, get my roster from my, like, suite. And Anne-Marie's freaking out. And Kate approaches her. And Anne-Marie's like, I have a job to do. And Camille expects me to be her personal assistant. And now the girls are going to be late to line up because Mrs. Dehan thinks that it's my responsibility to go to the trustee suite and get her list for the lineup. And Kate's like, um, I could go do it for you. And Anne-Marie's like, okay, yeah, great, amazing. So she gives Kate access to the trustee suite. And then Jordan calls Kate and he's like, um, you're totally unhinged. You're in a one-way grudge match where the odds and the optics, I love that word optics, are not in your favor. And he's like, you know, this was supposed to be about the kids, but now you're like obsessed with taking down Camille Dehan. And then Kate finds herself in Camille Dehan's room and click, she hangs up. Then there's a beep. Someone else is entering the door. Who could it be? Cut to the dead ball. The dead ball is starting. Luna is beginning to record it. Camille begins to introduce the debutantes. Pippa and the other one run up to Nick and tell him that Zoya is hurt. She stepped on a piece of glass and Nick is like, oh my God. And so he goes and walks away to take care of Zoya. Meanwhile, Kate is hiding in a closet in Camille DeHaan's room where she sees Russian classics teacher Mike Shubin tinkering around. We don't know what he's doing. Then Julian is about to descend the stairs, about to be announced, and she doesn't see Nick, and she's in a panic, and Camille announces none other than Daddy Davis Calloway as her escort. Shelby reaches the stairs where her girlfriend Eliza is waiting. They embrace. Sorry, she reaches the bottom of the stairs where her girlfriend Eliza is waiting. They embrace. Julian is like, what? Why is Daddy Davis here? Morally corrupt. Daddy Davis, what is he doing here? I will say, I don't like Daddy Davis, but the actor is very hot. Luke Kirby, I love you. It's great to see you again. Daddy Davis is confused because he's like, what? You invited me, huh? Then Max steps out and he goes, hey, everyone, I'm Max Wolf, and I want everyone to know that I'm, and he extends his hand about to reveal that he's dating Aki and Audrey, but they bolt like assholes. Then Kate is hiding in the closet. Mike Shubin finds her in the closet and he's like, well, well, well. Then, oh my gosh, what a shitstorm. Camille announces Monet with her father Grayson, but then Monet 
announces herself with Alexa Kennedy. She's like, I will not be escorted by a man. She's in this bright blue sequin dress. Her mom is like, Monet, what are you doing? She's like, death to the old, in with the new. A man will not be escorting me, nor will I be wearing white. My cavalier is a woman. And she's storming down the stairs in her dress. And then she gets to the bottom of the stairs to see Eliza and Shelby canoodling in front of everyone. And she's like, but this is, this is my moment. And Shanna's like, isn't it nice to share your privilege? Then Julian storms down the stairs and she's like, Monet, did you invite my dad? What the fuck? And Monet's like, you ruin it. Like you ruin everything. And then she shoves Julian and then Zoya intervenes and she's like, um, I invited Eliza, not Julian. Then Monet shoves Zoya. Then Julian defends Zoya. And then Monet's like, you don't get to tell me to do anything anymore. She says that to Julian. Then she shoves Zoya again. Zoya falls down. Then the debutantes all start brawling. I don't really know why. They're dumping champagne on each other. They're hitting each other with flowers. They're ripping out each other's crowns. They're strangling each other. And Camille DeHaan is not pleased. Luna eye rolls like the, what word am I looking for? Like the poised queen that she is as she streams the whole thing. Kate then tells Mike that she was looking for the roster in the closet and got locked in. And Mike's like, you don't have to explain it to me, but this is sus. Then Monet and Camille storm into the room and Mike joins Kate hiding in the closet. Then we cut back to Davis and Julian sitting together on the stairs and Davis thought that Zoya was the one who reached out. And Julian's like, why would I want you anywhere near me? And Davis is like, I'm your father. (laughs) I don't know what voice that was. And then Julian's like, unfortunately, you always will be. Up until recently, I lived my life on a path that you and I built together. If you care about me, let me go. And he gets up quite expeditiously and leaves her behind. Like, shockingly quickly, I was like, okay, Davis, you are, like, the worst person ever. Like, we already knew that. But, like, if your kid tells you to go, like, you're, like, moody high schooler kid is, like, leave me alone. And you just go? Like, what the fuck? Then Camille is yelling at Monet in the trustee suite about how she fucked this up for herself and also for the other young women and their parents. And Monet's like, I wanted to empower myself to come out how I wanted to come out. And she's like, I thought you'd be proud. And Camille's like, um, you invited a sexual predator to the dead ball and then you humiliated your best friend. And she goes, I don't have an ounce of pride for you. This was rough. Then she says that the headmistress always tells her that Monet cares more about how she looks than who she is. And Camille has to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to make her look like she shines as bright on the inside as out. And like how she turns her C's to A's. Okay, this performance was giving fucking Macbeth. Okay, she Camille's mom, the actor who plays her, is unbelievable. And then she's like fully crying and she's like, How do you not feel that shame? I feel it every second I look at you. I'm embarrassed to know you. Now get out of that ridiculous dress and find me and your father downstairs. (sighs) Monet starts like whimpering by herself in the trustee suite for like two seconds and then she gets it together and she goes, fucking bitch. Then Mike and Kate heard this whole thing. I think they got it on camera. We saw like a sneaky little cell phone peeking its way out of the closet during that confrontation. Then Max, Aki, and Audrey are arguing. Max is over it. And then Mike and Kate collide in the hallway. And Kate's like, uh, what were you doing in Camille DeHaan's room? And Mike doesn't answer. And he just like eye rolls and they both keep it moving. There's like sexual tension betwixt these two. And I want to know what Mike Shubin is up to. 
Then Zoya and Julian are chatting and Zoya admits that she invited Shelby's girlfriend, Eliza, to cause the same scene that Monet planned, minus Davis being there. And she gets vulnerable with JC. She's like, look, I'm jealous of how much attention Nick gives you. And JC is like, look, I'm jealous of you because you know exactly who you are and I don't. And they realize that being sisters is an unknown territory for both of them, and they're figuring it out as they go. And I love these two because no matter how much they argue, they always find their way back to this cute little place of, I don't know, freeform teen drama where they love each other. Then Luna finds Max outside. And I just want to say I want these two to end up together. They're so cute. Like, I like their little, like, deep sidebar conversations that they have. And there's definitely, like, a twinkle in their eye when they're around each other. And I just, like, very much ship them as a couple. And I hope that Max finds his way out of the annoying thruple and makes his way into a romance with Luna. Luna explains that Audrey and Aki have always been accepted by society and that because of that, they don't understand how scary it is to be in a position where you may not be accepted the way Luna and Max have. And Max is like, damn, Luna, like you're really wise. Then Shan is on her way out of the dead ball with Zoya. And one of the women from the board, Shelly, is like, Shannon, give your grandmother my regards. I presume I'll see you both in the Seychelles over break. Plot twist. Shan is super fucking rich. And Zoya's like, okay. Then Max, Aki, and Audrey arrive at Max's, and Max tells them it's okay that they're not ready to come out as a couple. However long it takes, he can wait, and they happily go upstairs to fuck because this story is a fucking circular storyline that just keeps cycling the same things over and over and over again, and I don't know what we're still doing here, and I don't really care. Then Zoya and Julian are getting ready to donate a lot of Julian's things. There's definitely like a vibe of peace and a release of tension in the apartment, And Gossip Girl messages JC that she is pissed that she wasn't tipped off about the Deb brawl and she calls their deal off. And Julian's like, wait, 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 no, like, let's keep this little agreement going. I will have dirt on Camille by the end of the day. And Gossip Girl is like, pass. And by the way, last word of advice for you, I'd watch my background Monet if I were you. Then JC arrives at Monet's. And Monet tells JC that she's queen now. And JC's like, um, okay, like you can have it. Monet's like, I'm not stopping at taking your place. I'm taking you down at the studs bit by bit. There will be no abdication, only execution. And JC's like, I can't wait to see you try. And the episode ends with flames in Monet's eyes, terrifying. And that was the end of the episode. XOXO, Gossip Girl. Wow, y'all, that was a doozy. Recapping things alone is no joke. I don't know how podcasters host alone all the time. Huge shout out to anyone who hosts a podcast alone because that was a doozy. I feel like I can't even speak. Like my mouth just like doesn't work when I'm alone. So thank you all for bearing with me. Thank you for bearing with us this week. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at you know you love us pod. Follow Tyler at Tyler McMeredith on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Hannah A. Brown. And on TikTok, you can follow Tyler at Tyler McMeredith. You can follow me at Hannah A. Brown Zero. And if you are loving the podcast, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave it a rating and a review. Thank you all so, so much for listening. I hope you're all having a fabulous holiday season. Cozy up. Take care of yourselves. Make all the boundaries. Practice all the self-care. Love you all so much. And we will see you next week on You Know You Love Us. XOXO. That is way more fun to do with Tyler. Okay, love you all. Bye. You know, you know, you know.